0: Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with Reef Preservation Jamesy and Advanced Buoyancy
1: Control Brando. Here we go. Those nicknames are pretty creative.
0: Well, last week,
1: we were out on the prairies
0: (laughs) with the other diving outlaws, (laughs) robbing trains and wrestling up cattle. You know, last week, Bill Gleason mentioned in his article, in his editorial, that he was going to give the secret to the people of advanced buoyancy control. <laughs> so I did some, some investigating myself, and I did find, Brando, in February 1991, Skin Diver did put out this article of advanced buoyancy control a reef conservation effort, which was sponsored in part by
1: SeaQuest and the island of Bonaire. Well, luckily we had a a BCD manufacturer sponsoring.
0: (laughs) Yes, and, and in this article, they do make mention of getting your traveling into the beautiful island of Bonaire. And there is an entire comparison of Sequest Buoyancy Compensators, uh, a big old chart of uh, all their different models back in the early 90s, talking about the, the different price ranges and materials and how many shoulder straps and waist straps uh, and pockets and lift capability and colors that these uh, different BCDs came in. Is
1: it talking about ballistic denier?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 420 denier nylon baby 840 if you were diving the the spectrum 4 had 840 denier the most highly durable nylon available on the scuba market in
1: 1991 heavy duty fabric well, is not that what ballistic is supposed to mean what is the ballistic in it what what is going on there if you ever
0: found yourself <laughs> diving in heavy gunfire, heavy. Yeah. Well, that's where you would want the 840 <laughs> Denier
1: ultra ballistic.
0: What are you going to do? Wear some lightweight
1: 420 nylon. It's funny that they use it cuz it doesn't really have anything to do with diving, really. Well, we got to we got to go back in time. Well, we do. We do. There's a lot of things I need to change.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We gotta go way back. (laughs) But, um, yeah, when you go through what was diving (laughs) equipment,
1: go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, I looked up the definition of ballistic here. It has nothing to do with anything we are talking about. That's why I get a little up when I hear that because it was used quite a bit. Is it still used there, James? Do they still like bring in new BCDs and made with 420 or 840 or whatever 1260 ballistic nylon? Nah, they've they've changed the material. It's no longer ballistic. It's it's no <laughs> <so> longer ballistic. <laughs> what is it now? <laughs> they don't even talk about it like like they used to. Oh, the adjectives of well, they become more. Um, Two thousand twenties, like
0: you can't call it ballistic
1: anymore. <laughs> it's a
0: that's offensive to to nylon yeah. that to, to all the, the missiles light- and projectiles that are actually
1: are ballistic.
0: If you're <laughs> lightweight nylon, it's offensive. If you're sensitive, if you're sensitive nylon, it's offensive to call <laughs> other nylon ballistic nylon. <laughs>
1: Well, they might identify as ballistic. You don't know. That's the last thing you need. <laughs> is something that is, you know, only
0: six or seven ounces trying to identify with an 18-ounce nylon fabric, basket-weaved for ballistic durability.
1: <laughs> ballistic. So, So just so we know, ballistic, what is the definition? It says relating... To projectiles or their flight, or moving under the force of gravity only, and then as a uh, like a slang, it's extremely and and usually suddenly excited, upset, or angry. Well, that's wild. ballistic.
0: Ballistic he went nylon ballistic.
1: is actually well, I mean, it is
0: it was an actual material that DuPont made in World War II. Well, because it was designed to stop
1: projectiles, I think is how it got the ballistic name. So they're implying that I could go into like a bank robbery and I'm safer wearing this BCD. (laughs) Is that what you're saying?
0: Listen, if you're you're ever going to find yourself in a bank robbery, you should definitely have your BCD
1: on. (laughs) Well, at least if it has ballistic nylon in it. 840 is better, but 420 will suffice. The original specification for ballistic nylon was an 18-ounce nylon fabric made from 1050 denier. So they're not even, they're not even going to DuPont's when, the, when it was just 420. They're not going to DuPont's, stand. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. I didn't know this. You know who should be here? You know who should be here right now? Our battery-talking friend and our materials engineer friend, Tom. That's who we need.
0: Uh, Tom? Oh, he. I mean, he. He probably drove his car off the road right now. Just li- Just listening. <laughs> <laughs> just, just listening to to you assume the the wrong denier level of a BCD nylon. What the hell's the matter with you, Brandon? Let me ask you a question. Shoot. Do you want to destroy a coral reef?
1: Yes. I mean, no. No. Of
0: course not. Bill Gleason tells us in this article Have you ever damaged a coral reef? Think carefully, Brando, before you answer. You're under that. oath.
1: You're under oath right now.
0: Have your fins ever accidentally kicked some coral? Did you ever get one of those unsightly rashes from coming too close to the reef? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't I didn't, I didn't get that raft. I didn't get that rash from coming too close to the reef. Where did you get those sores? I came uh, too close my to the reef. My buoyancy control.
1: <laughs> it was my buoyancy control. It was a little too close to the reef last night.
0: <laughs> Ever find bits of coral, sponge or marks on your dive suit? After a dive, son of a. Well, Bill Gleason tells us I have, and you probably have too. Chances are you thought it was no big deal. But as we enter the 90s,
1: <laughs> the 1990s. Oh, as we enter the 2020s, everyone is going <laughs> to jump on your case, baby. The <laughs> You're going to be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's what would have happened. Well, let's start canceling people. Let's start, let's start, control. I agree, let's start canceling. Them. Screw them, bastards.
0: How do we do it? Can we just start taking their certification cards
1: cutting <laughs> no. them up right in front of them? No, if there's nothing legal involved, it's all social. We're going to cancel them on social media. We're going to make them quit their you know their jobs will fire them, their family will disown them. They'll have no more work. It'll be awesome. We can be just like the rest of the jackasses around the planet right now.
0: (laughs) Remember that old guy, Paul Daniels, we used to dive with? Paul Daniels never existed. (laughs) (laughs) He kneeled on a sea urchin back in 1994. He never existed. Well, Bill says that... um, the fourth decade of coral reef exploration by recreational divers, being in the 1990s, all these little mistakes are starting to catch up with us. And the reefs are showing their accumulated accidental damage in popular diving areas around the world. He says that dive sites that were once legends are becoming diving has because anchors and divers, fins, and lead weights have taken their toll. You can't really see the damage after a single dive or even a week of diving, but return to a reef after a few years and you'll say to yourself, hey, it really looks different. Well-intentioned divers have left their marks and it may take a hundred or more years for the damage to heal if, that is, the reef damage no longer continues. Now, unfortunately for old Bill Gleason, and the rest of the diving population. The next 30 years is not going to get that much better.
1: <laughs> to say the least. Well, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, come on. I... <laughs> let's make everybody scuba dive, and let's decrease the training. Let's increase the number of people out on the reef, and let's decrease the standard of teaching. What's going to happen? I'm only barely a genius, and I can recognize this. <laughs>
0: Well, this was, you know, especially this is in the day of the fin pivot buoyancy perfection. Right. This is in a day where finger push-offs were, you know, the, the one of the tricks of good buoyancy control. It's a trick.
1: Don't even try this, guys. This is a trick I've mastered where I take my finger <laughs> and I gently push off of the coral reef.
0: basically like nothing happened
1: no nothing did happen except for while you were
0: practicing it the fingerprint (laughs) is actually a a (laughs) handprint two handprints or like a whole body print on the top of that brain coral it leaves a mark like wile e coyote in a an old looney tunes
1: cartoon dude don't show your age. We have young listeners. I don't even know if they watch cartoons anymore. You should say like an Instagram. No, like a TikTok video. I think Instagram's going the way of uh, Facebook with young people. I got my fingers on the pulse of the younger generation, James. Just So if you got any questions.
0: I saw, I saw your TikTok dance in the kitchen <laughs> with the <Did> spatula. I? <laughs>
1: I gave it a thumbs up. I got 18,000 views over three months. Does that make me an influencer, James? That's my question. What makes me an influencer? The fact that you dance wearing a BCD holding a thing. <laughs> and people shoot at me because I'm not afraid.
0: With your ballistic <laughs> nylon.
1: My denier, ballistic denier 420.
0: Now listen, Bill Gleason <laughs> mentions that although divers are crashing into the reef... It's you okay. know, we're we're nowhere near the natural damage that can occur from hurricanes and you know just catastrophic
1: waves and so we're okay. We got a ways to go. Damage
0: from deforestation and toxic waste and <laughs> once ocean we hit dumping.
1: earthquake level, we'll take notice. What? <laughs> right. once- once we're pretty we're close No comparison to that. for
0: that. That's why <laughs> there's a list of all these better BCDs that you can purchase in the range of three hundred to four hundred and eighty dollars.
1: Do you remember your first B C D? How much it cost? You got it at probably cost because you were working at the shop.
0: Well, my first B C D that I got was a used. Yeah, it was a used spectrum for yeah, no, I worked at a dive shop as a kid. It was like I got an idea. Here's a bunch of gear, and um <laughs> You're not going to get paid, (laughs) (laughs) but you can have this old used gear and just work it off after school for six months.
1: Awesome. Got to get cheap labor and have them excited about the cheap labor. Yeah.
0: But, um, now he does go on to say that, what are we going to do? Should we just give up, you know, even though, like, one storm comes through? It's can it can do way more damage than you know a couple of divers kicking up, but he so he makes a good point of yeah, but we we can't just give up and just say that hey, me kicking the shit out of the reef is nothing compared to that storm they had last year,
1: right well I mean, yeah, yes, I only raped one person, but not like those guys over there who raped like twenty, so I'm not that bad. <laughs> Yes, I just compared bad buoyancy to rape. I did. (laughs) Well, it is, in a way, raping the reef. Well, that was my whole point of my comparison.
0: Bill says, as divers, we start each underwater foray with a resolution to respect this fragile world. But something actually happens during the dive that accidentally damages the reef. It might be kneeling on the reef or grabbing live coral, a console being snagged, or that moment when you're just not in total control. Oops, as we say, there goes another coral reef. <laughs> Whoops, Whoops. There goes
1: another coral reef.
0: <laughs> Whoopsie, there goes the sea fan whoopsie, there goes the tube sponges.
1: Well, the other side of this is it didn't really get brought to anyone's attention till divers started going, well, I don't want to go visit such and such a place because it's so dived out, there's nothing left. In other words, it was destroyed by the divers.
0: And Correct. And, I mean, you and I have been listening to this for, for decades. You know, of right. You know people, you know, years ago in the 90s, you know, everyone was like, ah, forget the keys i mean they're so overdope everything's beaten all up yeah nothing's left ah Cozumel. i mean i mean Cozumel, who wants to go there anymore that that's so overdope everything's kicked to shit and beat
1: up yeah and i mean you can trans, uh transcribe that that whole thought system to cave diving as well i mean once uh we had that big influx of cave divers they started putting marks on the walls and I mean, that was part of the whole, we have to uh, make cave diving much more stringent because they were destroying the cave. It was,
0: there was an influx of that bad behavior coming there as well, right? right. I mean, what's supposed to be like the apex of finesse and talent in the water you know, when you've got handprints and claw marks all over the, the floor of a cave, we we start to realize that, oh, we're letting just anybody continue on even if they don't have the the talent that we're expecting. Right. And right. then this, this you know, gets watered down all the way to the open water level which to the point where, you know, what was it, uh, two years ago they had to close down Half of the dive sites in Cozumel because the reefs yeah. were so beaten up and damaged they needed a break.
1: Yeah, and I would I would uh say it got watered up, James, because yeah, it starts in yeah. okay, yep, the open yep. water. You know what I good mean? Good call, yeah. Yep, yep, you're, you're yeah. totally right. So it begins there and then people just keep taking their their training for their cards. And not that nothing good is coming through, but really they're when the classes are so easy and you're guaranteed a pass and it's basically just so you can get a card with and know the minimum so you don't get killed really. Um <laughs> Right. I mean that's kind of what it went to, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the the class has become the the very minimum of never hold your breath.
1: Right, right. Once we buy, start with a, that... buy
0: a computer that won't let you get bent. <laughs> yeah. And buy the buy fins that will swim for you. Now, Billy G says the solution to this destruction is total diver control. This is being able at all times to maintain perfect buoyancy control and showing awareness or knowledge of just how to interact with the reef without damaging it. Such skills will allow us to enjoy diving and save our reefs. At the same time. You mean
1: <laughs> have some buoyancy control.
0: Yeah, but again, let me like you were mentioning earlier, right? This is right at the same time where instead of spending more time on this, they were actually doing the opposite. They were right they were reducing they, they the, the, the class, time right. of class.
1: Right. Well, and here's an, another thing just to point out that it could be changed pretty easily. No, I shouldn't say easily, but we could change this and i think there have been and and it is but do you notice it's not being changed at the agency level in the standards level although there is there has been a minimal uh i mean they have made the buoyancy control requirement a little more stringent not not a ton since like 2005 till now not a ton and when i say 2005 you can pretty much go before 2005 oh. but i think they started noticing like people understand there's a better way of buoyancy control or there's a better better level and you can do it on the grassroots right they right on the grassroots
0: you started to see this but you didn't see it right. from the top even into 2010 2015 pushing into the 2020s you're starting to to see them change and go well Let's not teach, to, right, the agencies from the top are saying, okay, let's not teach totally, you know, negatively, Neutral. negatively no, buoyant yeah, where yeah, yeah, we're yeah. denting the bottom of the pool. <laughs> let's, let's
1: teach slightly less negative than we used to. Right. And the only way that change was affected was what was I, I was about to get at, which is you can, you can facilitate much more change in a society. Not by laws, but by peer pressure, and so we made it people socially aware that bad buoyancy. We, we made it like a shameful behavior, and so the society peer pressured them out of bad buoyancy. Absolutely, that's
0: what I mean. That's what social media ha- has done well. Is you know everybody's got a GoPro, everybody's got a camera, yeah. everybody's being videotaped. And pictures taken and being posted all over the place nowadays, like right. to to be, you know, standing on a, a photo of you standing on a reef is going to bring shame upon you in 2023 as we approach.
1: Right, right, and and I mean, back before that, before the shame, and so. I mean, there's some good to be to to be had from from the public shaming in the sense of maybe it'll curb b- poor behavior. Um, You know, but psychologically, well, yeah. it, it can it, hurt. It, I think it has <laughs> and it
0: will continue to do so more. I think that's going to be a good thing for for diving in the reefs in the future, because in the past, you know, here you could be, you know, Bill Gleason. Right. You could be anybody from this magazine and you can write an article about it and tell everybody what to do. But, you know, once you go underwater and show you your know, colors. Yeah. you Right. You know, how do you how do you really behave? Like you, yeah. you could say one thing and do something else back in the 90s really? into the 2000s, into the 2010. That's getting harder and harder to do as we get further and further into yeah. the 2020s, which is a good thing.
1: In many respects, yeah, absolutely. So there is something good to be had from, from the social clamoring. and, and <laughs> Although I don't want anybody to, like, kill themselves over it. Just canceled. Just canceled. You're canceled. Francis. You're canceled.
0: He says, and there's a strong element of zen in this approach to marine conservation. It's a lifelong learning experience, and each dive you make can sharpen your advanced buoyancy and reef awareness skills. Even after hundreds or even thousands of dives, the ocean still has much to teach us as both divers and reef observers.
1: I don't call myself, are you a reef observer? Kind of, I guess. I'm one with the reef. You're not even observing it. You're, in, in, you're part of it. I become <laughs> coral. I become the water. Be
0: like water. I am the water. Be Nicole the Bruce water. Lee. Be like water. I am the Bruce Lee of <laughs> scuba certifications.
1: Whoa, whoa!
0: That's why uh, when I put my fins on, it's like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so the first step to becoming a reef master is simple acknowledgement that there is always more to learn whether you're a novice, intermediate, instructor or expert diver. I you're going to like that, Brando, cuz you know I I was just listening to an old episode of ours where, where you were where you were making mention that a lot of people first assume that, you know, instructor is like the epitome of the highest level. But even here, you know, uh, you know Bill saying, you know, Novice, intermediate instructor, or expert diver. We all have more to learn. And then he goes on to talk about basic buoyancy control and advanced buoyancy control. If you can remember back to your original training, Brando, and people out there, Bill says you were probably taught basic buoyancy control in your first scuba course. The theory and a little bit of practice. If you're like most divers, myself included, you didn't learn it. Yes, you press the button on the BC to put air in and let air out, and you put a bunch of weights on into the... Shit, let me fix that. I got a bad copy here. Yes. Yes, you press the button on the BCD to put air in and let air out. And you put a bunch of weights on and into the water you go. That's not the skill. That's the rudiments of buoyancy control. Without mastering the skill, you put a lot of lead on and then you use your BCD and your lungs to counter the effect of all that negative buoyancy. You then spend all your time fiddling with your BC and usually crashing into the reef while you're doing it. That's basic buoyancy control. And unless you seek additional training or practice on your own, you may consign yourself to a diving lifetiming of being overweighted, tense, ill at ease with your BC in consuming up to twice as much air as necessary on every dive. You'll be inflicting little wounds on the reef on every dive consigning the reef to a long slow process of rehabilitation that will not be seen in your lifetime.
1: He's right that uh you <laughs> you have to learn to actually operate the BCD, but that is only part of the buoyancy control. Correct. Because so many people
0: sit there and they, you know, they call it a buoyancy control device and they just have the assumption that I use this little
1: contraption on the jacket to control my buoyancy for me. It's an aid, right? It's an aid, but it doesn't control your buoyancy, right? Right.
0: You and your breathing control your buoyancy. And most people for years, for decades, for the overwhelming majority of the existence of scuba as a, as a concept have been... Overweighted. I mean, for, for decades, I mean, uh, that's what instructors did as as classes got shorter and shorter and shorter, and the, the students were less and less prepared getting into the water. It was so much easier to throw too much lead on them to sink them to the bottom so they could rock through all the skills that needed to be done. And then they just overcorrect it with the BCD.
1: That is the beginning of a, of a snowball of shit. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) You've got all this extra weight that you don't need just so that it's easier for you to get underwater around your waist. Which is pulling the lower half of your body down, and then you put a bunch of air to correct that. To try, assuming you can, can actually get neutral, but you're gonna put this big bubble into this jacket up around your shoulders, which is gonna pull your upper body up and your lower body sinking. That's why so many people have had this like terrible body mechanic in the water of being head up, feet down, working their ass off to move through the water.
1: Right. As their fins propel water downward, every single movement of your leg is being pushed down into the, uh, into the reef or the muddy bottom or the silty bottom or even the sandy bottom. But the fin thrust is pushing water downward because of your body mechanics. And that's hugely influenced by the amount of weight that is put on you when you're not properly weighted. And there was very little emphasis placed on proper weighting especially back in the day. You know, it was everybody pretty much got like 20 pounds. There you go. There's 20 pounds. Jump in. Right.
0: And just more and more just kept getting thrown. Right. Right. When you're uncomfortable still because you've really not had that much training, you definitely haven't had that much practice. So most divers were getting in the water slightly uncomfortable, and you can see them when they're at the surface kicking at the surface. uh, Trying to do a weight check. (laughs) <laughs> right, uh, you're so, kicking but, at but, the surface but, yeah. <laughs> you're swimming yourself up so instead of just stopping motion and getting comfortable in the water you keep adding weight to counteract the the kick thrust up uh, Bill says that dive resorts again this is back in 1991 report that nearly 80% of all visiting divers use too much lead and he says that applies to people with 10, 50 and 100
1: dives or more. That's got to be minimized. I think it's way more than that, you know, especially newer divers. Right,
0: yeah. And and it's still an issue. But he says but that's because he says this skill of buoyancy control doesn't come naturally. It must be learned, and to learn it, you have to practice it. And this is 1990, he's telling the, the people that, right? This is in the day, and, and this would go on for another couple of decades. The normal practice was get underwater, negatively buoyant, on your knees, learn all your scuba skills there, get through all of this little learning, and then, you know, send them out into the world with a certification card. And hopefully, eventually, they'll learn to get a little bit better with buoyancy control.
1: Not even realizing, they'll leave those classes and not realizing that buoyancy control is breath control. Buoyancy control is breathing. Proper weighting is the the foundation of it, and then breathing is the actual doing of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, proper weighting is just as foundational as learning to, you know, touch the right button to
1: put air in and the right button to put air out. I mean, it's as basic as that. Well, it's a recipe. If, you don't, if you've got anything offset in the ratio, you, the recipe is going to suck. So you have to have proper weighting. You have to have the right equipment. You have to have a knowledge of what's going on. And then the breathing has to be talked about, the proper breathing, not, not just uh, one sentence. <laughs> I, I mean, I like in your essentials class, the breathing part that you teach in your class, that's, that's like huge. That's huge and it should be part of open water. It should be, but I've got the
0: luxury of taking as much time as I want. You because you do? because that <laughs> really? that 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 conversation, you know, is
1: hours of instruction. Right. But you don't have that luxury, really, when you think about it James, you have time as well, but you, you know, you're always going to have to deal with time on anything you do. Yeah, absolutely. But you've got to also weigh it against quality of instruction. Yes. And, and but when
0: the narrative for ninety percent of the right, you know, instructors out there is class is three days long. And right. You've got to you've got to get through this whole book in, in three days so that they can get certified. Quality over quantity is the change that needs to occur.
1: Well yeah.
0: But quality's only going to come if we change the, the time requirement for scuba and, and not make it, you know, a weekend class. It's, it's you know, the, the, the way the instruction is built. If we're really going to change and have an understanding of advanced buoyancy control, the whole way people come about learning to dive is going to have to change. Well, we've been saying that for a while. Bill Gleason was saying it right here. Look it. Bill says, even little birds have to be pushed out of their nests to learn to fly. Fuck you, birds. <laughs> so it is with divers. Fuck you, divers. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you were going to go though. <laughs> he says, advanced buoyancy control is the ability to fly effortlessly underwater. With the additional skill of hovering, like a helicopter, in any exact spot or position we choose. In basic buoyancy control, you rely on lead weights and BCs to do the job of gross buoyancy control. In advanced buoyancy control, breath control becomes the new key element in stabilizing yourself. Now, that's not holding your breath, and particularly not holding your breath and ascending, but... It is possible to slow your inhalations and exhalations while still blowing small bubbles to fine-tune your position in the water.
1: <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> so he must have lawyers time. all over his ass right here.
0: Oh, I think, uh, yes, and that's very evident. Like right? So from his editorial in Outlaws last week where he was like, you can hold your breath. Now he's, he's, he's definitely got all the caveats uh, uh, mentioned here. But like I said last week, if you're neutrally buoyant and you hold your breath, your lungs are not going to just spontaneously explode. The issue is, have you learned how to manipulate your breathing to affect buoyancy
1: consciously, which is really what buoyancy control is. It's done with your breathing. In an open circuit, it's done with your breathing, right? Yeah, right, right. You've got the weighting
0: to counteract the the positive buoyancy of the exposure protection that you're wearing. And then you've got the BCD, the bag itself, whatever type you're using, is holding the weight of the air that you're about to consume in the bottles. But the Other than that, I mean, the BCD or the buoyancy control is really done by maintaining a consistent breathing pattern. Bill says to achieve this level of mastery and buoyancy control, you have to practice on every dive. If you pay attention to exactly what effect every breath has on your buoyancy, you'll be well on your way to helping save the reefs. Now, he mentions that skin diver, has included in this article a step-by-step workshop on the next two pages, which will help you achieve advanced buoyancy control. And please remember, he says, this is not a one-time thing. You can do these exercises all through your diving lifetime. Now, when we look at the advanced buoyancy control workshop that he has in here, it's a two-page spread of a diver doing you know, some very basic wading skills, which I, I would say, you know, in many ways, you know, for 1991, this was pretty good. It's a pretty good start over, you know, what most people were doing, which was really nothing. I mean, I, mean, I look back at the way, you know, the, the classes were, were taught, you know, back in the 90s, you know, it it was, you know, n- on a typical six night scuba class, it was night three before you ever really did anything with buoyancy control, you know, and that was, yeah. that was learning a fin pivot, everything else for the first two nights in the the first half of night three's class was very empty BCD negatively buoyant on the bottom of the pool. Right. And then it was, you do a fin pivot and maybe by night five, we tried to
1: do the Buddha position hover. <laughs> the very useful buddha position hovering trick it was the norm
0: on a on a on a dive when you're doing open water dives to have you know the the job of the dive master you know my job back in in the day as as the dive master was go to the surface and, and wrangle up the the divers that popped to the <laughs> surface after they started like doing their buoyancy control right because if they started swimming out of that boot of the position, they were going right to the surface. Right. Um, in this workshop, they say that the five vital components for buoyancy control are the BC first, lead weights, the dive suit, breathing, and lastly practice. But what we know, <laughs> but what we know today, and what I try to share with people today is, it's really a different order. I mean, really. You have to wear some sort of exposure protection on a dive. Even in the warmest water, you're probably wearing something. But let's even say that you're not wearing anything. Most people's body has some sort of inherent buoyancy that you're going to have to correct with some amount of weighting.
1: Yeah, for the
0: most part, yep. And you weight yourself so that... At the end of the dive when you're the lightest you'll ever be,
1: you still have enough weight that you don't go popping to the surface. Right. But you can still swim to the surface if necessary. You're not so, you're not so yes,
0: you're not you and right. the other end is you're
1: never so heavy that you can't swim swim up if you had a, a problem. Right. By by releasing some droppable gear, i.e. weight belt or whatnot. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And then you have to take
0: gas with you to breathe, and that gas has weight. And that's yeah, the job of the BCD, really, is to hold the weight of the 80 cubic feet of gas that's in that bottle.
1: Exactly.
0: And if you're wearing a wetsuit, you know, as the suit, you know, crushes and gets compressed with increasing depth, you're going to compensate. Hence the name. Hence the name, but it's not really that like, so having the BCD is number one thing for controlling your buoyancy is not really true. It's the breathing part and the practice part is what's really doing the heavy lifting of the, the BCD job,
1: right? Right. The BCD is just there to compensate for, for depth and, uh, the change that's going on with your wetsuit and the, the release of the gas into the water that you're breathing. So when you lose, you know, from, from full to empty on an 80 is about 5.8 pounds. So when you're losing 5 pounds, that's going to affect, you know, somewhat. You're, you're going to have to make up for that. If you were right on the edge of perfect neutral um, at the beginning, you're going to be 5 pounds too light, At you know, when you get down to 800 PSI or whatnot right, so the the real test is you have to take the time you do of, of checking with an empty t- cylinder, or I mean you can go with full and then and make sure that you're like you're just on that edge and then throw five pounds on yeah, and you all you, but know? you gotta but you
0: gotta check it and you gotta tweak it
1: right, right, you do, and it changes too, that's the other side of it is weighting can change as you change as you physiologically change, you know, like at the end of winter. Your wetsuit has become too tight because it shrunk. Your weighting's going to change probably.
0: And every, you know, you know the 5 years later of having that same wetsuit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right,
0: where you have taken it to depth so you many times, you it, you've, it yeah. doesn't have the same inherent buoyancy that it used to have. Those are those things are going to change. Now Bill tells us in this advanced buoyancy workshop, you know, to determine this, you know, get just get in the water and get relaxed. Snorkel around a little bit. Uh, get comfortable breathing, and once you're in the water, you're relaxed, you're you're comfortable to do the mid breath. You know the old school mid breath buoyancy check. You know where you're holding holding your eyes, you know, or holding your breath, floating at eye level, and just start adding, you know, two pounds at a time, if you're positive, and uh, until you get to that point where you can float right at eye level. Now, today, what we would say is. You know, doing that check at the surface isn't really where you want to do that. You want to, the, it's the opposite. right? You don't want to wait yourself from the surface to go down. It's being able, when you're your lightest, to know that as you come up and you have the natural expansion of that suit and gas and everything, you can still hold the
1: shallowest of your shallow stops without losing your buoyancy. Right, near that end of the dive when you've depleted your gas supply and you're coming back up from depth. Say you do run out of gas. You don't want to be sharing gas and not being able to stay at a, a your 10-foot stop. Yay, we shared gas, and we got out of the out-of-gas emergency, but then we got bent like a pretzel because we bolted for the surface.
0: Oh, yeah, or we couldn't hold our hold our ascent. We couldn't control the ascent, couldn't control the stops on the way up at the end when we were so light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole premise of how we approach a dive... Should be at the very end, the
1: furthest deepest
0: part. Yeah, we have to be able to do this at the end, no matter what, because we're human beings that aren't meant to be underwater trying to cheat our hum- human existence.
1: So, and do you think any of the options should be drop your weight and go come from the land of the ice and stove? <laughs> Exactly. Ah, all the way. I don't think that should be like a, a viable option that's really taught. I don't know if the, if it's anything more than liability and you're throwing these new divers some kind of bone like, hey, nothing could happen. Just remember, you can always just throw your weight belt off and and just blow to the surface like a missile. Right.
0: Well, again, so the the teaching, when we look at how this workshop progresses... It it still goes back to the same old notion that you still see a lot of instructors teaching even still today, which is dump the air out of the BCD once you have your gear on, sink to the bottom, find a you know a sandy rocky place, you know so you're not going to mess up the, the the coral reef, and then start putting puffs of air into the BCD in order to establish. You know, watch your breathing. And when you get close to, as you inhale, you come up a little bit and you sink, right? That's still
1: the mentality that they're trying to teach. Which is weird because really little to none of your diving is done like that. That's not how you would ever want to dive. (laughs) You don't just go sit on the bottom. You don't dump gas out of the BCD,
0: sink to the bottom, and establish neutral buoyancy. You, You dump the air out of the BCD at the surface so that you can start to submerge, but you do it to the point that you're neutrally buoyant through the whole entire descent.
1: Yeah, you don't send up a plume from your arrival at the bottom. I'm here. Right. I mean, if if you have
0: ear trouble equalizing and you've dumped all the gas out of your BCD to sink only to hope you can get neutral once you get to the bottom, you're setting yourself up for some problems. Yeah, Or your I'd buddy agree. has an issue. Now that we separate a buddy team in poor visibility,
1: well, that's... That's the wrong way to do it. Agreed. Agreed. That goes back to rule one, which is we have several rules that we we seem to adhere to. But rule one is you're always in control of your buoyancy. Always in control mm-hmm. of your buoyancy.
0: Now, the workshop they, they move on to saying that, you know, being aware of how every breath affects you is what you're trying to do to achieve this mastery of buoyancy, which is good. It's very true. But still, the, the issue that we're bringing up today is that the thinking's backwards. It's not get negative so that you can get neutral so that you can use your breathing to control your buoyancy. It's your breathing is always controlling your buoyancy from one millimeter of depth at the beginning all the way down to however deep you go, all the way till you get all the way back to one millimeter of depth and hit the surface <laughs> and put some air back in the BC to establish positive buoyancy.
1: One millimeter of depth, eh? Dude. One sliver. It's a sensitive depth gauge you've got.
0: Now, they've got the diver in the classic Zen Buddha position saying that once you master hovering, you can hold yourself in any
1: position and never... Never damage the fragile reef. Oh, I thought it said, once you've mastered hovering, you are a Buddha. Is that you right? A scu- <laughs> you're yeah, scu- you're Buddha. a scuba Buddha. <laughs> Remember Scuba Buddha? What happened to Scuba Buddha? Oh, I just, I, I, too much, too much going on in life. You realize you haven't totally achieved Buddhahood
0: yet. So yes, it's true that if you are a master of your buoyancy, you can hold any position. You can hold this Buddha position, but the Buddha position doesn't make any
1: goddamn sense for a
0: scuba (laughs) diver to be in.
1: You aren't ever, even if you're meditating while you're scuba diving underwater, of course, that's where you would be scuba diving, right? But even if you're meditating, it's not a good position. (laughs) It doesn't do anything.
0: No, you would be better to meditate perfectly flat and horizontal I don't know. Mm-hmm. so that any action that you make with your lower extremities, uh, also known as swimming, <laughs> isn't going to affect your buoyancy in the water. The problem with the Buddha position, is, as soon as you move try to move your legs mm-hmm. out of it, you're going to swim up. And when you get when you wiggle your feet and swim up a little bit well then the air in your bcd expands and so does your wetsuit a little bit so your buoyancy changes versus if you if you learn to hold and master a flat horizontal in what we call nowadays in trim when you move in the water you stay at that same depth you're moving horizontally not vertically yeah you're not affecting Your buoyancy, so you don't have to keep fiddling with the inflator buttons to constantly
1: control and compensate your changes in buoyancy. Right. And that's why you do see so many people swimming around with their hand on their inflator for the entire dive.
0: Yeah, they chase that inflator the whole entire time. Now, they say that uh, we've successfully graduated from the workshop, and uh, now we can use less air and enjoy ourselves more and not damage the reef. But remember, mastering buoyancy control is a continuous exercise. The more you practice, the better you'll get. And I know for myself, every single time I'm in the water, I always am thinking, I, I can even I I can even get a little bit
1: better. I'm going to get a little little bit smoother. I was going to say that. I'm glad you said it cuz I was going to say you look like you could get a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, it's the new fins. I got these new it's fins. New fins. I'm, uh, I'm still I'm working fins.
0: out some bugs, working out some trying to tweak it. I changed I, I changed watch straps. I got a. I got this new gaze. This new computer's got different weighting on my arm now. My compass now has a red bezel on it. <laughs> well, there you go, people. That is the advanced buoyancy control workshop.
1: Not bad. You get your, bad, ballistic, bad, your ballistic, your uh, ballistic patch, your ballistic nylon patch for your wetsuit, for your BCD jacket. I've got my. 1080 ballistic wing come at me bro
0: i got my i got my ballistic ballistic buoyancy well there you go people um hey don't forget tis the season for clean balls Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. i almost forgot i know you did but our friends at manscape would not be happy if we'd forgotten and uh, they are here to help you, Brando, clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season. From stocking stuffers to white elephants. I know you love a good white elephant party. Manscapes products are at the top of every wish list this holiday season. So get out there and grab some crop mops for your pops. Or the body buffer for the holiday lover in your life. Whoa. And you could win this year's white elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to... Nice hog in this December. <laughs> what
1: the? <laughs>
0: <laughs> By going to manscape.com and using the code TGDP. People, 20% off of free shipping. Don't let your friend's <laughs> chestnuts roast in the wrong boxers this year. Get them a pair of those boxer 2.0s made specially to keep that area cool and provide some holiday comfort
1: all year round. Keep your tinsel tamed and your jingle bells chiming. Who's with me?
0: That's right. <laughs> You got that uh, advanced skin-safe technology. That's, you know, is a life-changer and known for reducing nicks and cuts on anybody's, including
1: Santa's sack. (laughs) It'll show off your candy cane and jingle bells like nobody's business.
0: (laughs) There you go, people. Get 20% off on free shipping with the code DGDP at manscaped.com. Brando, that's 20% off. And free shipping, manscaped.com, code TGDP. For a perfect gift, that will be the holiday's biggest hit. Make your
1: mistletoe merry. All right, should we sign these logbooks? Sure, advanced control, buoyancy control, ballistic brother of mine. Let's do it.
0: That was a ballistic dive.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm going ballistic right now, thinking about how ballistic my BCD is and uh, how safe I feel now. From terrorists.
0: You got uh how how many expandable pockets do you have on
1: that <laughs> ballistic B C D you I'm surprised they don't have ballistic velcro listed because the velcro on this seems pretty ballistic. Your integrated weight system, ballistic releases. <laughs> I'm going ballistic right now, thinking of all the ballistic stuff. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Same ballistic channel, same artillery unit dive time. <laughs>